Well, John chapter 13 this morning is where we'll be, and we're going to use this uh, verse as an opportunity to look into a couple of uh, different things. Seven or eight weeks is where I'm at with this right now. It might develop into more, maybe we'll condense it to less, but we're going to look at one particular word or term or phrase in this verse, and I take that and look at other locations where we find it in the Bible as well. But I think this will be a good place to start because uh, I think it's really the heart and uh, really of all of the principles that we'll be looking at. Uh, but John chapter 13 and verse 34, if you would turn your attention there, we'll read ver- just two verses, verse 34 and 35. <clears throat> uh, we're going to look at this phrase, one another. Uh, and we'll look at it at a few other locations in the New Testament. I'll share some information with you this morning. But Uh, As we uh, read these verses this morning, I just want you to think of that term, one another. Let's begin reading verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day, and Lord, it is good to be here, and Lord, it's good to be Uh, able to fellowship with your people. And Father, we just pray that you would meet with us in a special way today. Lord, that you just help us to be an encouragement and help to one another. And Lord, we pray that your word would go forth with power. And Lord, that you would accomplish that which you would desire in our hearts and in our lives today. I pray that each one of us would be changed to be more like Christ. And, And Lord, we pray for your blessing as the word goes forth in this Sunday school hour, that you'd be glorified and honored in all of it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So the phrase one another, as we see here, is derived from uh, a single Greek word. It's often translated into more than one word, uh, but it's a single Greek word, and it's alelon, I believe, something to that effect, which means one another, which makes sense because that's why it's translated that way, each other, mutually or reciprocally. Uh, So it's translated a few other ways in our Bibles. It's translated yourselves. Uh, each other, the mutual. There's a couple different areas or parts of the Bible where it's translated a little differently, but it all, in the context of it, it is all really the same. Uh, Here, I'm not an English guy, but here's what it is. It is a reciprocal plural pronoun. So we use reciprocal pronouns when each of two or more subjects is acting in the same way towards the other. Right? So it's reciprocal. So I'll give you some examples for those that aren't really following yet. (laughs) A is talking to B, and B is talking to A. So we say they're talking to each other or one another. You're welcome. The action is reciprocated. John talks to Mary, Mary talks to John. Uh, It's the holiday season. We would think of gift-giving and reciprocal or reciprocity, I'll I'll quit trying to pronounce that. It is a word. Reciprocity. Thank you, brother. It is a word. um, So if I give you a present, you often will give me a present, right? We think of that. Um, And I didn't give anybody a present, so I don't expect anything. Um, I only give presents to people I like. Just (laughs) Cindy never gets anything. 
So in today's modern language, there's really only two reciprocal pronouns, and it's each other and one another. So the idea is these are things that are taking place mutually. And in our passage this morning, in the verses that we use to, to open up, it's talking about loving one another. And so if somebody loves you, it's proper for you to love them back. It's used 89 times in the New Testament, this word aleleon. At least 47 of those verses give instructions to the church or to individuals or how we would uh, interact amongst each other in the church, in the the body of Christ. Uh, And it's teaching us how or how not to treat each other or how we should relate to one another. Uh, More than half of these the Apostle Paul gives. At least 60% of them, I think, is what it was uh, of these examples. And obedience to these commands is imperative. Christ here says, a new commandment I give you. It's a command. He's expecting that we're obedient to this. And so it's imperative. We're not going to have the right relationship amongst each other, uh, amongst one another, if we're not being obedient in these areas uh, that we are instructed to be obedient in. It, it forms the basis of our community as a church and how we interact and treat one another. Uh, in, as we see here, it affects our witness in our community. Look at verse 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. So the way that we love each other, if we do it as Christ does, other people will recognize that it's a different type of love that we see in the world today. It's not a lustful thing. It's not a sensual thing. Uh, It's really a love of action. It's a verb. It's the things that we do or maybe that we refrain from doing because we love somebody. And we we want to uh, honor them. So when you look at these, and we'll look at... Uh, like I said, at least seven, I think, um, uh, of these over the next few coming weeks. But uh, when you look at these, there's some common themes that when it talks about one another, when you see in your Bible, and it, one is unity. At least one-third, sorry, I forgot your antlers. I just saw your face and forgot. I'll bring them tonight. Uh, excuse me, squirrel. I saw somebody's face and got distracted. But at least one-third of all of these have to do with unity. Unity in the, in the church, unity amongst the brethren. Uh, <clears throat> so in that, it says to be at peace one with another in Mark chapter 9 and verse 50. We're not to murmur among our, our, yourselves, it says in John chapter 6 and verse 43. It says we're to be of uh, the same mind one toward another in Romans twelve sixteen and fifteen five. We're to receive or accept one another, Romans 15, 7. Do not bite and devour one another, Galatians 5, 15. Do not envy one another, Galatians 5, 26. With lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, we're to forbear one another, Ephesians 4, 2. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, 4, 32 in Ephesians. Uh, forbearing and forgiving one another again in Colossians chapter 3, 13. Seek good for one another, and do not rend evil for evil, 1 Thessalonians 5, 15. Do not speak evil or grudge against one another, 
James chapter 4 and in, in chapter 5. Uh, confess faults and pray for one another. James 5.16. And so at least one third of these have to do with our unity and how we treat each other and how we're unified of the same mind. Uh, then the other third of them are love, uh, which we, we obviously looked at John 13 here. But if you look at John 15, uh, 12, verse 17 as well, Romans 13, 8, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, 1 Peter 1, in verse 22, 1 John 3, uh, 1 John 3, verse, in verse, chapter 3, verse 11, chapter 4, verse 7, and 11, 2 John uh, 5, and then in Galatians it says, through love we should serve one another, having to do with love, so we're serving one another because of our love, forbear one another in love, Greet one another with a kiss of charity. Uh, I have some more thoughts on that here in a moment. And the affection one to another in love, Romans 12.10 says. And then a portion of them, a good portion, a, a smaller percentage, not necessarily a third of it, have to do with humility and humbling ourselves. Uh, but it says in Romans 12.10, give preference one to another in honor. We would prefer one another. Uh, esteem others better than themselves. Philippians 2.3, serve one another by love. Again, Galatians. And then to not be haughty or to be lifted up, be of the same mind. Romans chapter 12, be subject one to another. Ephesians 5.21, clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. First Peter. So those are the three main overarching themes that we could find in, in these. Um, <clears throat> but here's, here's some outliers or, or some of the rest. It says we should not judge one another. And to not put a stumbling block in a brother's way. Romans 14, verse 13. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I was going to mention that again. That's mentioned, I think, a kiss of charity a couple times and then a holy kiss. Uh, that's mentioned four times in our New Testament. Don't come kiss me this week or next week. I'm not asking you to kiss me. And I'm not questioning your, your love for the brethren or your spirituality because you're not kissing me. If anything, I would prefer you didn't, so if you not kissing me demonstrates your love for me. But, um, but it does talk about a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13, 12 says, greet one another with an holy kiss. Uh, and so four places we see this, and I think a lot of it has to do with the culture of the New Testament. And um, in their day, there was a lot of, there was the Jew and the Gentile and a lot of division along those things. And so... Them offering these, uh, and I don't, it wasn't an open mouth, wet, sloppy thing either. <laughs> Let me clarify. You know, as you see in the European nations, it's, you know, the side kiss on, and sometimes I don't even think their lips touch the other person's cheek. You just kind of hear a, um, I can't believe I just did that, but <laughs> sound effects in Sunday school. But, um, so, but again, it was largely cultural, but it was an, and I, it implied that they were accepting and, and that they were equals with one another. And in their culture, and it probably needs to be done, uh, well, again, I'm not saying we need to do it, but uh, it was a way to bring down the walls of division among people. To say we're in agreement, I accept you. Even though they might have come from very different backgrounds, whether they were... Uh, Pharisees, and, and when they're greeting a, a Gentile, it was an opportunity for them to say, in Christ, we're equal. 
Uh, and so uh, we ought to bear one another's burdens as well. Galatians 6 2. Speak truth to one another. And then also lie not one to another. Uh, they go hand in hand, right? Comfort one another concerning the resurrection. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Comfort and edify uh, one another in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Provoke unto love and to good works. Hebrews chapter 10. Pray for one another. That's important. That's a, that's a big one, I would say. And also be hospitable and not grudging one to another. 1 Peter chapter 4. And so I understand there are greater contexts for each one of these in their passages. Uh, I do understand that. And, and obviously we're not going to be able to touch all of those today. Uh, but our relationship within the church and our homes and communities are pretty simple when it comes down to this one another. And I, I think when we look at today's verse about loving one another, uh, if we would just get a hold of that, some of these other things that we're taught on, that the, uh, obviously Christ and, and, and the apostles and, and, and the scriptures teach on a, a variety of things that get more specific than just love. But if we would just love each other, we would have a lot less problems. Uh, listen, the reality is we do all this because we're members one of another. Romans 12.5, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another. Matthew 7.12, therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. We might say that's the golden rule. Treat others how you would want to be treated. But the last part of that verse says, For this is the law and the prophets. If we would just treat each other in love, if we would treat each other how we want to be treated, we would be doing well. Uh, it says, For this is all the law. We could sum it up that easy that if we could just treat people the way that we want to be treated, I want to be loved. I want people to encourage me. I don't want people to kiss me. Right? There are all these expectations that we have. And so what ends up happening and how things get flip-flopped in our, in our churches and in our Christian relationships is all of a sudden we have a different expectation for how others can treat us than what we're going to do for them. Or we're not treating them how we want to be treated. All of a sudden, we get really short. We get frustrated. We start saying things. Uh, we lose our patience. I'm not going to wait for that. I'm going to put up with this. But on the flip side, we would want them to be patient. We would want them to wait and be understanding. And so, uh, do we love one another? A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. And here's, here's the qualifier, as I have loved you. Christ tells the disciples to love each other as I have loved you. In your failures, in your sin, his love was there for them. Regardless of how they may have 
treated him at times and rejected him and their, their misunderstandings. And, uh, <clears throat> and this is where I think, uh, I don't want you to miss this morning. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. The way that we treat one another will be an indicator in the community that we're different than everyone else. That those people, they go to Liberty Baptist. I can tell because of how they love each other and how they care for each other. And might I say we should extend that same to all brethren. Uh, You know, even the Baptist church across the state that we don't like or don't agree with. I'm not saying we have any of those issues here, but what I'm saying is it ought to look different in our lives. People ought to notice that it's, and it's not a sensual thing. And it's a genuine love. Christ's love was genuine. It was sincere to death. And so as we go through these, my hope is to give you a few practical things. And this morning, we, we got a little bit of time. We're going to look at this idea of love. And how do we practically do this at times? Because we can say, love each other, love each other, love each other. But until we start making some practical application, it might be a little harder to see. Jesus used parables, right? An illustration really helps you understand something uh, better than most. But few things reveal our love for someone than truly listening. So I, I found a preacher, he had this, love was listen to people, offer assistance, value people, and emulate Jesus. It was an acrostic he used for. And, he, and so the idea of listening to people. Most people speak at about 120 words per minute. Some women, much faster, I believe. <clears throat> double, the, double that, at least, I would say. However, we listen or we think at least three times faster than that. So when somebody's speaking, when they're talking to us, our minds have a lot of time to wander. And if you're like me, oftentimes you're speaking of your, or not speaking, you're thinking of your response before they're done speaking. That's trouble. <laughs> you don't want to answer a matter before you know the whole situation. And so because oftentimes, and it, it takes a lot of concentration to be an effective listener. And so the reality is, if you're going to love somebody, you got to listen to them. you got to be willing to sit down and listen and take the time. And, and that is something I am developing in my life. I'm not always. And I, I don't know about the rest of you dads in here, but that's not a strong point for Justin DeGarmo as a father. Sometimes my kids bring something to me, and I got the solution before I've listened to the whole matter that it was really burdening in their heart. And so what happens, they interpret that as a lack of interest or love in their life. Because, and it was very convicting, one of my boys said, well, I don't really want to talk to dad because, you know, he basically said, I always respond in a certain way because he just doesn't listen all the time. It's almost like I have a canned answer. And that was convicting to hear. But we need to be careful and we need to listen. Because sometimes we miss a small detail that really is the hinge to helping resolve a lot of trouble. But if we're not listening, 
and we're developing our thought or our response. And listen, most problems in marriage, parenting, relationships in the church can be attributed to a lack of listening, a listening problem, not hearing somebody out. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. The Bible tells us that we ought to take the time to listen and to hear what is being said. So don't be like me and develop your response before the other person is done speaking. My wife knows when I'm doing it. She can like, it's like she can see inside my brain, my computer developing my response. It's like, you're not really listening to me, are you? And if I was honest, most of the time I'd have to say no because I already have my answer. I'm just waiting for you to, to blah, blah, blah to stop. <laughs> Hey, it's funny because it's true. But it's not funny because it's true. It's not good. There's a doctor. I don't know much about him. I just I found this information on the interweb. Dr. Willard Harley. He ranks number two in the basic needs of women conversation he he didn't have where that need falls in the needs of men I don't even think it's on the list but listen men I'm just telling you your wife has a need to converse and to discuss and to hear from you Uh, and oftentimes she needs less hearing from you and more just listening It's, it's helpful <clears throat> Why do I always give a glimpse into my home? Cindy and I, this was, I don't know, maybe a month ago we were talking. And she was sharing something with me. And I was problem solving. I had the solution. If, if this happens, we're going to do this. And she looked at me and she said, I don't need you to give me the answer. I just want you to listen. <laughs> That's not natural for me. Why are we talking about it? It's a problem. We want to have a solution so we can move on to the next thing. That's where my mind is. But that's not how women operate. And so be careful, husbands, future husbands. They want to talk, but they don't necessarily need your answer. And so she has a need. Sometimes it's just venting, I guess. I don't know. Go get a venti at Starbucks. What? Relationships are work. Love in listening. Taking the time. And if you would listen to the whole thing before you make a judgment and before you provide the answer, it'll be a lot better answer and more effective. And the Holy Spirit might tell you not to say certain things, but if you just so quick respond in the flesh... How, do, how arguments get ex- escalated so quickly. Or it started in my house. Just, I can't keep my mouth shut. We all have a natural urge to defend or justify or rationalize our behavior. So when you're talking, oh, you, you, you immediately, I got something to say in this. Slow down. Take your time. Be slow to speak. We don't like to entertain the thought that 
we might be wrong. We immediately go to the defensive in, in the justification stage. And, however, Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he that hearkeneth unto, wise count, unto counsel is wise. Don't be a fool. Some of the best advice will come from your spouse. And your children. I've got some really sound advice from them three idiots. <laughs> they have a different perspective. They see it differently. I'm not saying they're always right and that they don't need guidance and direction. That's our job as a parent. But listen, if you would just but listen, if you would just listen, there's some things that they could say to make you a better mom and dad. I know that's been true in my home. And so don't just disregard what they're saying. Listen, if you have subordinates in the workplace, you need to hear their voice. Again, some of those youngsters, when I was, you know, as you come up through the ranks, sometimes you forget the perspective of the airman that's just grinding day in and day out. And especially in a deployed location, I, I would expect a lot from people. We were always the first in and the last out. And sometimes those airmen were just smoked. They're wore out. I need some time, Sergeant DeGarmo. And listen, those people that are under you, they have a different perspective. They're not going to the staff meeting, as it were. And they don't, they don't always see the big picture. They don't see the mission that's taking place. And so uh, don't forget those people that work for you. Because... Uh, if we would demonstrate love in our workplaces, they will see it as a picture of Christ. And again, it gives us opportunity to share Christ, to demonstrate Christ in our community. This isn't just about being a good person. This is about doing the right thing that we might reach people for Christ. Offer assistance. Love, offer assistance. Did you know everyone needs practical help? Some people don't know how to change the oil in their car. Maybe you're an expert. <clears throat> and this really begins at home. Uh, Colin broke one of his, I think it was some type of a strap or something, trying to pull somebody out of the snow the other day. Um, he just learned to help people. And our boys for years would get frustrated. Dad, why are we doing this? We're just being a blessing. We're being a help. You know, got shovels. This person has a bunch of snow under their car. Stands to reason. We can dig them out. And I wasn't with him. I had no idea this was taking place, but he was helping people. And so it was contagious in my children. <clears throat> it begins at home. So men, have you ever cooked a dinner meal? I don't, I, some men cook and they love cooking. I get it, right? I'm just, what I'm saying is sometimes we get this idea that there's a divisible line and women do these things and men do these things, but do we ever practically try to help our wives? Maybe it's time for the husband to cook a meal so the wife can take a break. Clean those dishes or, or something of that nature. Vacuum the floor. <clears throat> Someone once said this, your wife will never start an argument 
while you are cleaning. I know that's true for my family. But I also know that if an argument takes place, a lot of cleaning tends to get done. <laughs> so, I, I, but, uh, <clears throat> Wives, do you ever offer help to your husband? And again, I know some ladies work in the yard and their husbands, you know, may not. But, you know, do you help out in the yard or do you help remodel the house when those things are taking place? Hang a door for them, perhaps? Listen, love's a verb. It's something that you do. Do not just say that you love them. Demonstrate that you love them by doing things for them. Offering help. And I think that is, we could, we could spend a whole nother lesson here. Christ's entire ministry on earth was about meeting people's needs. Ultimately, to meet their greatest need, their spiritual need of a Savior. But oftentimes, he did physical things for them to that end. And so when you see people in need in the community, are you offering assistance? And, it, and listen, it doesn't always have to just be money. I think in our culture today, everyone just wants to give, to make themselves good about giving to charity, and I'm done. There was a pastor that came through our church. This was years ago. Um, <clears throat> he was, he was going to go plant a church in Winnemucca, Nevada. It's kind of northern Nevada, ranch country. Um, and he came back to our church. We were, we were in Vegas at the time, and so he came down to Las Vegas. It was a year or two years after he had started the church. And his testimony was, he was it was really hard. He couldn't really reach anybody. Door knocking didn't seem to be very effective. And, and so all these ranchers, they're out, they're busy, they're doing stuff. And he said when he began to go help with the cattle or on the farm, and start demonstrating that, hey, I do care about you. I love you. This isn't just about you coming to my church and tithing. But he said when he got involved with their life, things exploded. He was, able, he was leading people to Christ on the ranches. People started attending church regularly. And it was because he had extended his hand and said, listen, I'm not just here because I want you there on Sunday. I'm here because I love you. And you need Christ. And that changed his ministry. He, Because, listen, oftentimes we just think it's about sharing Christ, sharing Christ, sharing Christ. But sometimes people are busy and they don't have time to come to your church service because they don't think it's important because they're not saved. So how do you reach them? Do something for them. It would help. I think it would change our community. It would certainly change our, the body of our believers. If, if we were just in unity, encouraging, strengthening, and helping each other when we needed it. Nobody should feel isolated and alone in a church, in a Bible-believing church. That happens. Now, I'm not, sometimes it's one-sided and everybody has to do their part, right? If you withdraw and become a recluse, that's one thing, but Offer assistance. First Thessalonians 2.8.9 says this, So being affectionately desirous of you, 
we were willing to have imparted unto you not uh, the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. It's more than just preaching. It's doing things for one another. Sharing our lives in a lovingly, givingly way of our time to assist others. Do you do that? Do you give of your time? Do you reach out and try to be a blessing? You can definitely show the love of Christ by offering a helping hand. And sometimes that will be the thing that takes it uh, and gives you the opportunity to share Christ. We're going to have to stop there because i got a pile of notes here. Oh yeah, way more. So over the next few weeks, we'll look at this idea of one another. About how we relate with each other. And how that affects our community. When they see that we love one another and... And, and as we love one another, how we don't do or we do certain things, we encourage and strengthen some of those things. And I trust it will be, uh, my prayer is it will be a blessing and encouragement and it will help us uh, to have a greater light for Christ in our community. That would be my desire. Because I think if we would put these into practice as we go through these next several weeks, people will see the difference in us. And we just need to be faithful, like we said, I think it was last week to share the message, explain to them why we're different. It's because of Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you for uh, your word. And I pray, Lord, that you just help us to band together. And Father, I pray that you just bind us together and help us to be more effective for the gospel. We pray now as we move into the morning service that you would meet with us. We pray the word of God would have free course. Be with our pastor, Lord, strengthen him. Bless the preaching of your word. And we ask, Lord, that you would work in hearts in a way, Lord, that would change each person to be more like Christ. We'll give you the glory for all of it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.